Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. I'm Cecilia Lay, and this is Fifth Emission. Today, I have the pleasure of speaking with San Francisco Chronicle restaurant critic Soleil Ho. Since joining the Chronicle in 2019, Soleil's restaurant reviews and cultural commentary have become some of the most popular stories on the Chronicle website. They're known for their strong sense of voice, from calling out the bad behavior of celebrity chefs to dragging dinner hosts for sending Venmo requests to their guests. But Soleil's work also does something else. It uses food as an entry into larger issues like race, labor, gender, and class. Soleil digs into all of that in the Chronicle podcast they host, Extra Spicy. Today marks the season three launch of Extra Spicy, and it'll sound a bit different than the prior two seasons. First, Soleil is now the sole host of the podcast. Previous co-host Justin Phillips is now the Chronicle's race and inequality columnist. This season will reflect the unique inflection point that the food industry is in today. Extra Spicy launched at the height of the pandemic in 2020. Now, more than two years later, Soleil will dig into the inequities and other issues that have been laid bare by COVID-19 in the new season of Extra Spicy. I'll also ask Soleil what else we can expect from season three of the podcast, what being a restaurant critic means to them, and what sets Bay Area food culture apart from other regions. Soleil, I'm so excited to have you on the show. I've enjoyed your work for a long time, even before I came to the Chronicle. Thanks for making the time. Oh, thank you. I'm so happy to be on, I don't know, it kind of feels like the big deal podcast of the Chronicle. (laughs) I guess that's what they say. Yeah. Big deal (laughs) podcast. Yeah. Well, yours is a big deal, too. Um, We're here to talk about the third season of Extra Spicy, the podcast that you host. And I thought that before we dive into what we can expect from the new season, I wanted to ask you, what makes Extra Spicy different from other food podcasts? I know there are so many. Oh, you know, that's a really good question. Let me start from the beginning. So in 2016, I started a podcast called Racist Sandwich, and that was about food and race and class and gender and politics. And at the time, those were things that weren't really talked about in food media. I'm happy to say that years later... It's actually, you know, there are many podcasts now that like tackle similar things and bring a sort of broader view of what food means and, you know, how it manifests in many different people's lives. Extra spicy to me feels like it's kind of similar uh, in that way in that I am talking to people about their one relationships to food, but also, you know, people who work in food and like how their work is just a part of a bigger story about how we live today, if that makes sense, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. which I think is fits in really well with just generally what I do as a restaurant critic. And many people are familiar with your work as a restaurant critic, but what do you feel like the podcast platform allows you to do that maybe you can't do in your writing? Well, as a critic, I don't necessarily interview people all that much. Um, I do talk to them for certain stories, but Really, I don't get too many chances to really 
dig deep with people, especially people outside of the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Um, I talk to people based in DC or Boston or elsewhere in the world. Just having other people talk about things that are also relevant, but um, not necessarily regional, I think is a fun part of it. As a critic, you know, it, it's a very isolating kind of practice. So mm. connecting with other people by interviewing them and just talking about them casually on a podcast is really nice. I mean, I'm curious when you say isolating the work that could, as a restaurant critic, can be isolating. What what do you mean by that? Well, in the U.S., there are maybe a couple dozen of us. You know what I mean? And we each do our jobs very differently. You know, we, we all kind of operate in our own spheres and the work that I do is so different from the food reporters on the Chronicles food team just by virtue of writing about my opinions. Mm-hmm. It's just such a different kind of um, experience and the relationship between a restaurant critic and the public that they might serve, including restaurants, uh is very isolating because you're supposed to be a sort of judge of all of these things. And so you can't necessarily be too familiar with restaurant workers, for instance, and you're held up as a sort of tastemaker. So I think the general public has a sort of (laughs) inflated view of who a critic might be. And in so doing, I think that's kind of, it is isolating. And I love what you're saying here, that extra spicy sort of allows you to step out of that role from time to time to ask bigger questions around these issues that you've mentioned, race, class, labor, mental health. These are all things that you weave into your work. You've been in the Bay Area for a few years now, and you've worked with food in different capacities in different places. What makes the Bay Area food culture a little different from other spaces? Oh, man. So in the fast food world, there are certain towns in the Midwest that are treated as testing grounds for certain things like the KFC Double Down, for instance, or the Arch Deluxe and all of that stuff, right? They're the ones that have the sort of experimental menu items. Here in the Bay Area, it's similar except for tech companies, which I find really fascinating. And from that come a lot of really interesting things that happen with food. For instance, mm-hmm. you know, Impossible Foods and Beyond and, you know, all of the kind of experimental plant-based meats and lab-grown meats. I would also say, you know, wine country has a huge impact on food culture here, just like that kind of local pride over over viniculture. And of course, there's the legacy of California cuisine itself and how it sprung from the East Bay with Chez Panisse and the North Bay with the original French Laundry and just everything that kind of came after it. And Everything's in conversation with California cuisine here, whether you opt for it or not. And seeing the various ways in which people who are like second or subsequent generations of immigrants adapt California cuisine and its principles to their kind of home food is really, really fascinating to trace too. People might not realize this, but your podcast, Extra Spicy, actually launched in 2020 during the height of the pandemic when the food industry was going through this huge upheaval So much has happened, businesses closing or having to pivot, staffing shortages, workers leaving the industry. What was it like having the pandemic be a backdrop for the launch of Extra Spicy and the conversations you've had on the show? It must have just been a really interesting time to talk about food. I mean, what's wonderful is that everybody wanted to talk, Mm -hmm. you know, especially Mm -hmm. during that first year of semi-lockdown and actual lockdown, people felt really 
constricted as far as their sort of social lives. And I think it made a lot of our guests more honest about where they were at, what they were feeling, especially restaurant folks who were Mm -hmm. definitely suffering probably the most, I would say. Um, Because they were continuing working, having to show up at a place to work um, and generally being disrespected by Mm -hmm. people at large. There were restaurant owners who talked about their hardships and just people who, you know, (laughs) they were just really eager to talk to people who they didn't live with um, in general. So I think it made our interviews like, I think a little bit more fun. I've noticed that too. I think during that time, people were just willing to have more tender conversations, just really open and honest conversations, which I appreciated. Yeah. And now with our third season, I think what we're seeing some really interesting outcomes just based on the people that we've talked to. I'm planning on talking to people who have unionized their cafes and restaurants. And that's seen a huge push since the beginning of the pandemic because people were just sort of fed up, right, with like Mm -hmm. bad working conditions. I'm talking to people who have really dug into the kind of racial and like abuse-oriented reckonings within the food industry and food media um, Mm -hmm. that kind of came to a head in 2020. Not that it was new, but certainly like the amount of attention put on to just racism issues, all those various like isms in the food world was Mm -hmm. unprecedented. And there was excitement. And now, you know, a couple of years later, it's interesting to trace like how that excitement has translated, you know, over time. More with Salejo after a quick break. We'll hear a quick clip of the first season three episode of Extra Spicy, which features renowned chef and philanthropist Jose Andres. He's been working to feed and support Ukrainian refugees and citizens since Russia invaded Ukraine more than a month ago. Soleil will also talk about how they approach their work as a restaurant critic and how it relates to their cultural identity. We'll be right back. You can support the newsroom that creates Fifth Emission by signing up for unlimited access at sfchronicle.com slash pod or by downloading the San Francisco Chronicle app. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI. It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. Chronicle restaurant critic Soleil Ho is the host of the podcast Extra Spicy, which launched its third season today. They're here to talk about what to expect in this new season, which launched with an episode that features world-renowned chef and philanthropist Jose Andres. Soleil, tell us, why did you want to start season three with him? I think it, (laughs) I mean, cynically, right? Um, He's a really interesting figure, and I think that would be a really good way to telegraph just where we're going with this season, just talking to people about some real world stuff. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of times when we talk about politics, it's hard to kind of translate that to practice. So I'm talking to a few people like him who just put their values into practice through organizations, nonprofits, like that sort of stuff. And yeah, he he kind of starts with a sort of heady explanation of his theory of everything, which is that food is the basis of civilization. What if we put food in the middle? 
And we see that actually food, more than anything, has a connection with absolutely everything. The first gift we receive, we are unconscious, but we feel it. The smell of our mother, of our grandmother, of our dad, in the form of food, forever makes every human totally attached to food. At the end of the day, food is the most important issue in the world. And I have a feeling we take it for granted. So I think it's a good sort of declaration for for where we're going with the rest of the interviews. It was interesting because earlier when we were talking about, you know, what it's like talking about food in the Bay Area, you mentioned Silicon Valley and the influence of tech in this space. Um, And I wanted to point out a recent piece that you did earlier this year about on-demand food culture and worker welfare. And there's this line that you wrote that just stuck with me, and I'm going to read it here as a quote. Our land of plenty will, sooner than later, go barren. I mean that not just in the material sense of this metaphor, but in the spiritual sense. Soon there will be nothing left to extract. And the sooner we accept that, the sooner we can find another way to live. I was wondering if you could say more about that. Is there sort of a larger message that you're trying to convey to people who follow your work, maybe not just in this piece, but to the Bay Area foodie scene, which oftentimes just has this very insatiable appetite. Yeah. Oh, man. I think one of the the things I've realized over the past couple of years is just the cost of convenience, how much that costs people who make things convenient for you right? Mm-hmm. Like the the sort of smaller shops who might need to order a book from the publisher and you might not get it for a week versus Amazon where you can just get it like the next day. Mm-hmm. Who's paying actually for, for that convenience? And when you apply that idea to food, right? You think about all of the sort of transient gig workers who deliver food everywhere, especially in the Bay Area. It's really popular to use caviar and DoorDash and all of that stuff. And um, especially during the pandemic, and they've been such an essential service, but they've been so disrespected by the companies they work for and the sort of algorithms that decide whether or not they get paid or whether or not they get work. It's really inhumane. And I think as a critic, it's kind of on me to also just talk about it Mm -hmm. and really get people to think about the implications of convenience. And it's a huge part of how food exists in our lives now, especially during the pandemic. And I just want to make sure to sort of be that gadfly that reminds people like, hey, it's fine to want things quickly and efficiently, but you also have to acknowledge that it costs someone on the chain. Yeah. I mean, I really appreciate that you bring this perspective to your work. And it's certainly something that people will be hearing as a through line, I think, in the the new season of Extra Spicy. So like, I hope you can humor me for this last question I wanted to ask you. Uh, We are both Asian-Americans who use our voices in different ways. For listeners who haven't already guessed this, we're both Asian-American. And I've asked this question to other sort of prominent Asian-American figures, uh, including Simu Liu, the first Marvel Asian-American hero. I also asked this question to Domi Shi, who's the director of the new Pixar movie Turning Red. Uh, Because, you know, I've been thinking a lot about the ways that Asian Americans have had this spotlight on them in recent years, most recently because of the increased attacks and violence against our community, but also for other reasons, too. Um, And I've been thinking a lot about what increased representation actually means. So the question I want to ask you is, what does authentic validation of your work look like? 
How would you answer that question? Well, I think, um, yeah, I've been mulling over this one. And I certainly take a note from my trans siblings here where the idea that visibility doesn't necessarily equate to a good, like a net good for people. Mm-hmm. For trans people in general, like increased visibility can mean and has translated to increased scrutiny, um, increased policies that are meant to dehumanize you, just increased hate in general on a sort of national, like virulent scale. Mm-hmm. And so it troubles the idea, right, that more representation is better, um, that it's always going to the audience that you want it to go to. So I would caution (laughs) us Asian Americans against believing that more of us on screen or in media will be all that positive. Mm -hmm. At the very least, if we're going to be more visible, like what kind of visibility Right. Will that be like we we can and should be pickier about what kinds of visibility we celebrate? Like, what is that for? Mm-hmm. You know, especially mm-hmm. speaking as someone who is not necessarily uh, mainstream, I guess, uh, in air quotes, Asian. I'm Vietnamese uh, and we don't get a ton of positive <laughs> representation. We've had a lot of representation in war films, for instance, in the West. And has that been better for us? No, it's frozen us culturally. Mm-hmm. You know, I want to believe that I am doing something to represent a deeper kind of view into what it might be like to be Vietnamese American right now mm-hmm. and a more critical one. So yeah, I mean, I think <laughs> it's it's complicated. Uh, and I hope that answer makes sense. But there's like, I think about all these things when I think about representation and just how it can be um, kind of a curse. Yeah. Yeah, I was excited to ask you this question because I think everyone answers it differently. And I think the thing that I appreciate most about your work is that you sort of bring these open uh, questions and discussions around identity. And sometimes it's just really hard to answer, but you bring them into your work anyways. And I appreciate that. And I know we're going to be hearing more of that in Extra Spicy and the rest of your work. So thank you so much for sharing that with me. Thank you. Salejo is the Chronicle's restaurant critic and the host of the podcast Extra Spicy, which just launched its new season today. Check out the first episode, which features their conversation with chef Jose Andres. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and read more about season three at sfchronicle.com. Also, join us for a virtual live episode taping of Extra Spicy this Thursday. Soleil will be joined by TikTok star and fungi expert Dr. Gordon Walker. It's going to be a lot of fun. Register at sfchronicle.com slash spicy live. Thanks to Karen Creighton for editing this episode and to you for listening.